Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Welcome, friends and family, to another episode of the Backdoor Cut Show, a Memphis Grizzlies podcast brought to you by the Barnburner Podcast Network, which you can find on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all those cool places. You can find me on Twitter at BarnburnerBro. Thanks to everyone who's following along with us on the Barnburner Twitter account on Periscope as we're live right now at the underscore Barnburner. I have with me today Sam and Mason. Sam, how are you? Where can the, everyone find you on Twitter? They can find me at the Barn Chief. Um, I am good. It's snowing outside right now. A beautiful flurry snowstorm coming down in downtown Memphis, uh, creating a great ambiance for this podcast. Uh, trade day. Uh, we, we didn't honestly expect as much to happen as did, or maybe we didn't. Uh, it was a biz, busy trade day. The Grizzlies are busy for the first time in a long time. Uh, and, and again, we, we three are here. We have not been salary dumped. So we are still with the barn burner, which is great to know. I know. I know. We made it past. So shouts to the team and shouts to the front office, but I'm sure we'll get into it. Mason, what's going on, man? Oh, man, I'm uh, overjoyed. A good trade deadline for the Grizz coming off a big win against the Mavericks on Wednesday night. Uh, Tigers got a win Wednesday as well. Things are good in Grind City. Uh, ready, to, ready to talk about these moves that were made across the NBA, and uh, I'm really ready for t- Twitter corner, guys. I, the Twitter machine has had me <laughs> hyped these past couple of nights, man. So Twitter's re- the fucking best, dude. <laughs> like, I'm, just, I'm just here for Twitter corner today. <laughs> yeah. What's There's a meme. I'm just here for something. I'm trying to remember what that is. So you don't get fined. Marshawn That's Lynch. it? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Mason's just here for the, for the Twitter corner. That's yeah. All right, guys. So... We can start with the block. I don't know if you'd call it a blockbuster, but as far as the Grizzlies this week, the biggest trade that we've all really been anticipating, trying to gauge what would happen. And I don't know if it is exactly what we thought would happen. I think three guys that we had the highest probability of leaving the roster and not surviving trade deadline for the Grizzlies, that being Andre Iguodala, Jay Crowder, Han Solo. I'm just kidding. Solomon Hill. I just have Solo up here, so I don't know. Uh, so those three guys. Were... <laughs> when you make a Star Wars joke on a lot, <laughs> a lot, a lot happened today, man. So yeah, those three guys all left, but in one transaction to Miami for Justice Winslow, James Johnson, and Dion Waiters, all coming back with their bajillion dollars back to the Grizzlies. How do we feel about that? I know initially we were everyone was gauging kind of what uh, draft picks, draft assets we would get for Iguodala. At least I was. That's where my head was, thinking further into the future. But obviously the front office thinks that Winslow can be a piece that can immediately be added to this young core that we have. Him being only 23 years old, that he can just be a plug-and-play guy for the Grizzlies and play multiple, multiple positions and be a very helpful piece. Yeah, I think that uh, (laughs) 
we need to work on our transitions, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, we, I'm not NBA, talking the whole time. NBA countdown it wouldn't be good. The the three things that Harrington pointed out, which I mean, he kind of summed it up as better as anyone can, which is usually what he does. But add another young talent to the team, which we see in Justice. Um, punt on free agency for 2020. That we we've seen the the Grizzlies now take on money that will that will go through next season. Uh, that will take up soak up that cap space that we would have had uh, to attract a quote unquote big time free agent in 2020. Now we will, that, that money will open up on the books uh, in 2021 because of Dion waiters uh, and now Gorgie Dang's contract. So those two are, are, you know, kind of the the first two things. And then the position, the team, the implicit understanding there is that ultimately the team's going to make a move in 2021. Now, whether that be via trade, the expiring contracts of Gorgie Dang or, you know, Dion waiters will waived at that point. Uh, or in free agency. Now, trade, of course, being more likely, we've never seen this team attract a free agent, uh, a big-time free agent. So I, I imagine we'll have to pull a move kind of like Toronto did where we trade all these picks that we have and some, a couple other things to get a guy on the last or last two years or so of his deal uh, and hope to re-sign him that he loves playing with his young core. But we do have a couple things going for us, and their names are John Morant and Jerry Jackson, two things that we've never had to date. You know, this franchise has never had guys that – that you know that people want to come play with and it seems like what we have right now in this in this uh particular team is with uh, these guys really like each other man like we said that over and over again but this team's having fun they've got the whole grizz next gen thing that they like they actually like they like that hashtag now they got the little the emoji of the guy with the x like they they legitimately created an identity and um they seem to all be like legitimate friends so it's it's a really good environment. It's a really good culture. All from the beginning, they love the coach. Like you saw them all tweeting him congratulations after he won Coach of the Month. Uh, it's just it's a very positive atmosphere. So those three the moves made today completely further the sustainable success that that Zach Kleiman and Jason Wexler are new front office gurus uh, set out to begin with. They gave their State of the Union address at the beginning of taking over. Um, so that's kind of my take on it. I think it was an excellent day. And uh, what, what else? What else do I miss, Mason? Yeah, so so just to recap, going out, we had on the entire day, we had Iggy, Jay Crowder, Solomon Hill. Uh, we also had Bruno Caboclo traded. And then on bringing in, we brought in Justice Winslow and Dion Waiters, who is expected to be waived or bought out. Uh, and then we have Gorgie Jang and Jordan Bell. So just a couple things roster-wise, I think we shored up some of our deficiencies with our front court. Um, now, Valanciunas has a legit backup in Gorgie Jane. And Jordan Bell is another guy who can fill in at either power forward or center, um, depending on, you know, who's sitting out with injuries or whatever. But And he's an NBA champion, a third-year guy, NBA champion, who we have for one like $1.6 this year, and then he comes off the books. Um, Jang, like you mentioned, his contract going into next year, he, he's our highest paid player. Uh, next year, he'll make $17 million, but also that's an opportunity just like Jay and Solo were and, and Iggy in expiring contracts. Um, so as, whether that's part of a signing trade or, or a, you know, someone trying to get off a player who, who's not going to resign, um, he, he could have value and he can contribute on the floor as well. Um, the only dead money is Dion Waiters, who, as much as I want to be on Waiters Island, it's hard to stick up for kind of the missteps he's had off the court. Um, given his age, this isn't, you know, a 21-year-old Josh Jackson. This is a guy who's been around the block and 
still somehow eats an edible on the plane and gets too high. Um, inexcusable, Dion. <laughs> you got to do better. Once you get past like 22, that's not an excuse. Um, but I am of the belief that Igudala, um, whether it was because his bitch ass was uh, saying he wasn't going to report to teams to hurt his trade value or because he's just uh, older and kind of washed up, which apparently is not the case because Miami extended him. Um, I didn't think we were going to get a first round pick for him. And I was really skeptical about really getting any value. Um, I, I was assuming just a second round pick. Um, so when I look at getting rid of him, I'm OK with the value we got in. We'll say he's one third of Justice Winslow. Jay Crowder, again, I thought maybe a second round pick and equal salary. You know, someone who needed a, a wing and was going to give us a big. So that's two second round picks is what I, I was anticipating for Iggy and Jay and Solo. I don't think we were anticipating to get anything from. So when I look at the return on that in Justice Winslow, who is a, a freaking fifth year pro and turns 24 next month, can play every position from point guard to power forward, probably. Um, I mean, if we're playing the Rockets, he can guard PJ Tucker at center. Uh, so not, not on his stilts, man. <laughs> did you see the bleacher report monsters meme uh, yeah today? anthony davis was, yeah. yeah it's fantastic yeah, yeah. so uh, so <laughs> what, just looking at it from a prism of what i expected to get and then we get an opportunity with justice winslow who we can all admit his health is a concern he comes to us with a back injury which the grizzlies are labeling as similar to what d'anthony melton had in in training camp and then throughout the preseason, which kept him out about two months. doesn't seem like that is the same train of thought the Miami Heat have on his medicals. Um, an article I read in The Athletic, I believe it was, said that they were they were nervous about him passing medicals for the trade to go through. Um, so there is some concern there. He's only played 11 games this year. But I think the the just the opportunity he provides you to be – a, a decent player. We don't need him to be great for this trade to work out. We're looking for solid talent to fill around John Jaron. Mm-hmm. We've got our two cornerstones. We are looking for that third star. And could it be Dylan Brooks who we extended uh Wednesday evening on a very incredible, awesome, incredible uh, deal there. Yeah. Three years, 35 million deal. Um, so whether it's him, whether it's justice, whether it's Valanchunas, whether it's Brandon Clark, if if none of those guys are the third superstar, they're all quality NBA players. Um, so I, I don't think we're needing Justice to come in and necessarily be like the third star. He just needs to be a competent role player who can maybe be above that uh, every now and then, and I, I think he'll help this team. So I, I'm not of the, of the belief that if he's not great, then this trade wasn't worth it because I don't think – the three guys, uh, when it comes to asset wise, that we sent out, I don't think they were worth more uh, trading them separately or anything like that than bringing Justice Winslow. And to address the waiters' money and the Gorgie Jang money, the free agents this summer who we're missing out on by taking on this salary, Brandon Ingram, he's restricted, probably not going to get him. Uh, New Orleans would be a fool to let him go, and every other team is going to be throwing an offer sheet at him. Uh, who has the availability. Uh, Bogdanovich, 
in Sacramento. The Kings just made a move to ensure that they can pay him this summer and they can match any deal. And the Timberwolves just traded for Malik Beasley. I think that was probably all of our top three on the wish list. And just it seems it, it would be foolish to think that you have a legit chance at signing them, I think. Um, if you did happen to, you know, kudos to you, but I don't think you can rely on that going into this summer. And then the unrestricted guy is Joe Harris. And I mean, I saw him stink it up enough for team USA that I don't, I don't think he's the answer as the third star. So uh, justice Winslow is only making 13 million over the next couple of years. And then he has a team option in 21, 22. So it still leaves some flexibility and also a trade asset to maybe trade for that third star in a side sign and trade with the Bucks for Giannis in 21. Yeah, I love that, Giannis. That's my dream, too. I always speak it into existence, you know, as Verno says. Uh, I, You know, and I, the thing I've seen it phrase, which I love about Justice, is it's kind of like a really Justice is kind of the best possible guy we could have thought to get in 2020. Only we got him through trade. You know, we got him through. You can consider his deal going on, going forward as a three-year or two-year, third-year team option from the summer of 2020 onwards. You know, two years at, at $13 million a year and then a team option. Uh, so it's basically like signing a guy, you know, that's going to be 24 to to test out whether he can be a piece for this team going forward. But really, I mean, his his floor is kind of what Jay Crowder's ceiling is uh, and in terms of what we've seen him do. And his ceiling is legitimate, legitimate third star. I mean, or, or second star. I mean, yeah. he's uh, he's been shooting the three a lot better. He can play. He, he plays excellent defense. He can bully anyone. Um, he's guard a lot of positions. Yeah, he's very switchable, which we're playing, kind of trying to play very switchable, positionless basketball with the way with with uh, Jenkins, you know, kind of five out offense. Uh, so he he can, you can plug and play him. Seems like a high high character guy. He's already tweeting about the Grizzlies. Really excited to come in. Really endearing himself to the fan base. He's got Duke Duke uh, national championship friends here, which Jordan Bell also a, a, a college teammate of Dylan Brooks. I think. We're really trying to further the culture by bringing people that are legitimate friends here, and that that shit matters in the locker room uh, more than a lot of people talk about. The talent doesn't just matter, so I, I'm excited to see, and I think it's a it's a really wise decision. The the injury stuff does worry me. I mean, I, you'd like to think that the new staff, you know, they won't make the same like Chandler Parsons esque mistake where you saw a you know a Mavs team realize because they had their medicals and had longer looks at them and closer looks at them realize that. Chandler Parsons was ultimately what he was, which is a completely useless player due to injury. And we apparently did not uh, and still paid him. So you hope that that's not kind of what happens again, but this is a way lesser. Yeah. It's like half the contract yeah. of that. And, and so we did your, your reward it. Your risk to reward ratio is way different in this scenario. And also. we didn't give up. We didn't sign justice to a max. We, yeah. We didn't, we didn't yeah. give up anything. Yeah. yeah. We didn't, we didn't give up anything. We gave up a guy that most people thought we should have waived. Right. Like, and, and the, the I don't even consider taking on these two bad contracts bad because of I don't care about summer 2020. Like, so yeah. it's it, who that's the only reason you would care. Or maybe we could be a, a dumping spot during the next season. Next season. Now we can't. OK, so whatever. Like, but and, and why this is important is because our two best players are on rookie deals. <laughs> so like we can take on these contracts right now. Right. That, that won't be the case in two, three years. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think it's a great, it was a great day for, for the Grizzlies. And, uh, I mean, I'm excited to see the rest of the season. You know, we, we didn't lose anything. I think it's going to cause us to lose games. We've seen these guys start Kyle Anderson in place of, uh, solo. And we saw him just beat the Dow, the Mavs on the road without these guys. And, uh, I think there'll be a lot of momentum going forward. 
Uh, and there's a clear direction. It, what you can say about what's going on, every move that's happened the past year and a half has been like, we can explain it. You know, there's a clear direction, and that's what matters, I think. Yeah. Now, Zach, I know you this morning uh, when you woke up to the text thread of me and Sam discussing the it's trade like a record all night, uh, <laughs> you expressed a little skepticism and uh, taking on, on the money and, and just kind of the, the trade with Miami in general has has that eased or are you still just kind of not thrilled with the return? Well, I, f- I feel much better, honestly, after the the second leg to bring in ding because uh that's something that memphis has really struggled with is when Jonas is out we just like don't have any size clark i mean think of a matchup with the lakers where they got dwight howard anthony davis uh you know they they have big bodies down low that they can throw at us that they're going to put out there who are productive big men that we jaron can't guard without getting fouls that that's problem number one is that when he's guarding big physical guys like that, Andre Drummond, he's going to be committing a lot of fouls. And those guys are just too tall for Brandon Clark. He He's not able to guard those guys efficiently yet. Maybe one day he will, but as of right now, he hasn't quite figured that out. Uh, and he's undersized to be playing against seven-footers. So bringing in Dang is going to be uh, – th- that was kind of a good move for me. I didn't really want, like, bringing in – Waiters and Johnson, having both of them on the roster to me, it would not have been productive. I would have rather had Solo and Crowder, honestly, than those two guys. But the fact we were able to pass along Johnson and then, you know, we're going to just get move Waiters on, I, I feel much better about that scenario. And, and like you said, the your comment was Winslow, he doesn't have to be great. or This isn't a failed trade if he's not great. And I would agree with that. But if he if he ends up like not playing because of injury or just being not fitting in, I think it will not be good. But as long as he's healthy, he should find a place to really contribute. And there's not going to be the burden of carrying the team like whatsoever on him based on how the other four starters are already gelling so well. I think he's really a plug-and-play guy. His defense is really exciting and just <clears> – <throat> the size that he has ability to guard multiple positions. The only concern would be his three point shooting, which last year he shot 38%. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah. 38% the last two years last year on almost four attempts. He's not shooting well this year, but he's only played in 11 games. So that sample size, I don't think is big enough to make a statement or anything, but we saw how he locked down jaw at the beginning of the season so if we need to switch him onto someone, a dominant point guard, or even a wing, that can kind of allow Ja to focus more on the offensive end of things and conserve his energy for that. Because we know that's his specialty, at least at this point. He's shown where he can be a competent NBA defender, but he's, he's much more exciting. He's a spark plug on offense that, that keeps everything going for us. Yeah, that's definitely a fair point. If if Winslow is hurt for the next two years and we end up having to uh, decline his team team option in 21-22, then, yeah, that, that's fair to say it's a failed trade. It'll be interesting to watch the market this summer and, uh, you know, use use our hindsight to see who could sign for uh, 10 to $15 million, like money we could have been spending, or even more than that, um, if, if one of these teams doesn't want to match an offer. 
Uh, any any more thoughts on the trade with Miami or, or maybe thoughts on Andre Iguodala? Y'all got any parting no. words for him? <laughs> I will say that we, we kind of talked about it, but his sort of parting, like the thing that was shot where he's wearing that like tiny sweater and like talking in front of a one of like, at the gym, yeah, behind yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah the, behind the the pads behind the goal, the pads behind the goal, yeah. yeah, and he's just standing. And someone recorded it on their iPhone. And he's not not the, someone. Mark Spears from ESPN's The Undefeated. He had a he had an ESPN reporter in the gym with him, uh, so he could break the news of this trade. After he was bragging about having not played basketball since June. Oh, he's <laughs> in the gym though. De- trade deadline day. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, exactly. And and he sort of gives his discussion as if he is, you know, Steve Jobs, Thomas Edison, Some Andre activist. Iguodala. Yeah, <laughs> and like it's like. Dude, uh, it, I mean, it was honestly bizarre and kind of in line with what with what we've expected of him so far. I, I honestly don't I don't have anything much to say about it. It's like it really is kind of a master class in what happens if you S the, the media's D's, you know, like that that you have a pack of wolves that are ready to go hunt for you and lay, lay it at your feet. Uh, and I mean, good for you. Good for him. Like, I, I, honestly, he can't be faulted for that necessarily. But the, the insanely hypocritical comments that he would make routinely are the fact they weren't called out as much because he had the media on his side kind of just sort of flies in the face of what honest journalism is. And, and like, what, what's, what's the point of all this? If all you guys are just going to present one side and there's going to be no one out there except for Memphis media. And then we all just appear super biased and pissed, you know, yeah. like if we say something, then it's cause we're mad. Cause we're going to have to like wave him and whatever. Um, so, you know, he, he, multiple times, how many times he said that he, he really likes helping young guys and developing and mentoring and how he wants to play for a playoff team. And he wants he to do all this and that. He said that today. I mean, like, it's like, dude, read your script before you say it, like, and think about what you're doing. I mean, it, it is, you just didn't want to go to Memphis and that's not fine with us, but I mean, I guess, I guess fine within the confines of these guys' careers. Uh, and then one thing that's important to that we that ha- we haven't that people have pointed out today, but the, the whole thing was to get that first round Golden Golden State pick. I mean, the, yeah. it, it, if if we had waived Iguodala, it would still be a win. So even if Winslow fails, it's still a win. Like, but it was worth the shot, you know. Uh, Justice Win a, a slightly injured Justice Winslow is going to be better than any potential guy we could get next year. Uh, so that that's that's just like uh, he's he's still probably better than. I mean, other than Brandon Ingram, right? The realistic right. options we can get. Uh, I think that you know, it, it even even if he is can't doesn't touch a basketball again until we have to decline his team option, the trade was still a win. Uh, maybe the second piece could have worked out better, but you, I don't know if a second round pick is as good as the flyer on Winslow sitting here in my chair right now. Yeah, we, we turned the trade exception into Justice Winslow and and two bad contracts. Like that, that's pretty good. I'll and, take it. And yeah, at a time when we can afford bad contracts, right? And a lottery pick too, man. And a, what's yeah. going to be a what's going to be a high lottery pick? I think in 2024, like it's, I think it's top three protected. And they're going to be terrible. You got 35, 36 year old Steph and Clay. I mean, uh, there's no way that I mean uh, they're a smart front office, so we'll see. But I think that pick ultimately becomes part of our trade package to get the third guy. But either way, we still are going to use it. Yeah, yeah, and and my thing with Iggy was if if you don't want to come here, fine, because they had reached a deal uh, or in some type of agreement, like you stay away, and we're gonna try to find a trade, and like we're we're it's cool, we're not gonna make you report or anything, but don't be on TV talking about how you're gonna help the Lakers and Clippers or or whichever team is fortunate enough to get your services, like that's just that's just bitch assness. Like, can I tell y'all where my hate from Andre Iguodala really stems from? 
Yeah, please. Please do. Yeah. So it goes back to All-Star Weekend in New York City when uh, that was the Mark and Powell All-Star Game when they jumped center at Madison Square. Um, I was with uh, a buddy of mine. We were with uh, Ian Clark, and we were at this BET bowling bash, like celebrity bowling bash. Like they had Yo Gotti, Ray J, some old older NBA players, some random people were there. Anyway, it's cold as hell in New York at the time. Like when when our cab arrived in New York, it, t- it the cab driver said that it was the coldest it had been since like 1867. He said he just heard it on the news. I'm like, great, perfect. Then our cab driver, as we pull up to the hotel, wrecks into another cab, and he, the two drivers get out and start fighting. So, so me and my coworker at the time just grabbed our bags and walked into the hotel without paying the fare. Welcome to New York. Uh, so we go to this bowling alley and we had been at all-star activities all day. We would go around with these players and just kind of guide them and just be, be their assistant for the day, pretty much. Uh, not with Ian, this was a friendship thing, but we had been working all day and then he invited us to this bowling bash. We're like, hell yeah, we don't want to miss any opportunities while we're here. We're starving and there's, we find a good spot to be able to see the guys bowling, like right on the side and, Andre Iguodala and his family come and sit in the little VIP section right in front of us. Cool. You, you get this reserved seat because you're bowling. That's fine. Um, with no issues with that. Then the waitress brings his family platters of food. I'm talking quesadillas, chicken wings, uh, some even some celery and carrots were looking real tasty at the time. Just mm. a little, you know, just one of those bowling alley platters. Like, what, what do you want? Here it is. Shitty chicken tender, shitty fries. Bro, they looked at this food and looked at the waitress and said, you can take that back because we, we ain't going to eat none of that. You're like, that, that shit's too cheap. It's, they didn't say that shit's too cheap, but that's that's that was how Application. Was. Yeah, we, we, yeah, we don't. That's beneath us. And all the time that this is going on, his son is on his PSP playing as the Warriors against the Grizzlies. But he's got it on the lowest level, so he is just boning the Grizzlies. I'm talking, it's like 90 to 20 or something like that. And he's just dunking all over us. So I'm starving. They get this huge platter of food that is beneath them, and they won't touch it. And on top of that, I have to watch little Andre sit there beating the hell out of the Grizzlies on his PSP because he's not man enough to turn the difficulty up to like semi-pro. <laughs> so that's where my hate for Iggy stems from. Maybe hey, I'm, I'm out on Iggy too, like uh, that. That was the final straw, man. Like the, you know, you, your kid's not too good to eat chicken tenders at a bowling alley. That's the way it works. When you go to a bowling alley, you eat shitty chicken tenders, shitty fries, and shitty pizza. Your parents like, drink shitty there, Bud Light. They were like, "Is there another menu we can order from or something?" And the waitress was like, like, "No, this is like, like this is our it's fucking crazy our yeah. gourmet basketball player menu." <laughs> oh, sorry, the filet mignons in my asshole. You fucking. <laughs> All right, so also Iggy, did y'all read that shit about like his, his daughter, his baby's mama? Uh, he has his daughter who he doesn't really associate with. Uh, I don't know if she was there, but he's got a daughter from another random woman, mm-hmm. and in uh, apparently this, this this girl is like genius intellect. She's got like a ridiculous high IQ, and so the the mother wanted Iggy to pay an escalated version of child support that would include like all this like uh, private chefs and like all this sort of tutoring to advance her quickly, and you know all this sort of stuff. Uh, but anyway, in the midst of all this, this public, you know, battle with respect to, you know, child support, uh, I- Iggy was quoted saying that he doesn't want his daughter playing basketball because he'd be afraid she'd become a lesbian. Uh, so, so that tough beat for our guy, Iggy, 
uh, who who doesn't necessarily seem as as woke as he maybe some people out in the Bay Area would like like to believe. Uh, and, and that's not what you want when you're you're speaking of you know sexual preference in a negative fashion, and also when you're not associating with your daughter at all. That's uh, that's tough. But no, but no, you you know, a great businessman. You know, he really really has just impressed me with his savvy and uh, holding us over the barrel and um, treating a small market franchise like it doesn't belong in the league that he says he loves. Yeah, he's like the vice president of the NBA. Uh, PA. <laughs> like, uh, I wish Rich was here because I remember when we first traded for Iggy, he was showing off the book. He had just ordered the book. So I, w- I wish Rich was here to enlighten us on what type of bullshit is spewed on the <laughs> 200 pages that Iggy was all wrote. Oh, man. The sixth man. Yeah. <laughs> the first ever finals MVP to get boned in six straight games and <laughs> win finals MVP. Like LeBron had 30 a game. 35. No, dude, he shut LeBron down. What are, what are we doing here? That's Steph's MVP. Come on. As Ja would say, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but to, and, and here's the thing. Trades don't have to be one winner and one loser. Iggy won. He, he got to a team that has a chance to win the East, you know, if he's not completely washed up, which he seemed to be last time we saw him playing basketball. Uh, and he got 15 more – a million guaranteed because uh, the NBA's, um, you know, they're not really focused on tampering these days. Uh, and somehow Iggy's agent in the Heat front office negotiated a two-year extension before the trade is even complete. Uh, and, and Iggy is the one who breaks the news. So if you're if you're wondering where all the stories about Iguodala were coming from, it's from his camp. And he just did a masterful job, honestly, at manipulating the media. To I mean, frankly, his his work. agent should get a larger percentage commission. He did excellent work. Yeah. Excellent work by that agent to finesse all this. And he should get that fifteen million. Fuck yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so you know, whatever. It's over and like you know, onto greener pastures. And th- there's not anyone you know around the league that's not covetous of what we have going on here in Memphis. Everyone talks about it. I mean, and and all the beat writers are like, man, what they got going on over there? Like, it, there's just more kind of eyes on us, like uh, more than there ever has been. So it, it's finally good to be the sort of the lofted, you know, person instead of the fucking person with egg on our face at the at every trade deadline. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I guess that kind of leads us into how we think the team's going to be the rest of the season. And here's our depth chart: at point guard, we got John Tyus, solid. Shooting guard, we got Dylan, uh, Melton, Grayson, who out for the season, according to Coach K. Do you know uh, there was some assistant behind Coach K recording him that was going like, no, "Shut the no. fuck up!" Like yeah. you, just, you just violated like an NDA with the Grizzlies. I don't but, know. Man. I don't know if anyone yells at Coach K uh, after seeing, seeing him get away with yelling crazies. I love <laughs> that. Was like the legitimate old man. fantastic old man move. You yell at someone like like you said, like you're like great grandfather at the family reunion. But the best part is he was totally wrong. Like he yeah. like he was so mad, but he just didn't even know what he was talking about. Oh, that's good. Okay, dev chart, small uh, forward. Who we got? We got Kyle, we got Josh Jackson, who should see some increased playing time with Justice being out until the All-Star break is kind of what reports seem to be. Uh, and So we got Kyle, Josh, Justice, and our boy Marco. And then at Power Forward, we got Jaron, Brandon, Jordan Bell. And at Holding Down Center, we got Valanciunas and Gorgie Jane. 
that's that's a very talented team. I feel like. Am, am I just do I have my blue suede glasses on? And it, it's definitely like a well-rounded roster. There's there's good depth at each position, and people aren't going to have to play out of position. Or you can go one or two people deep and not lose a single thing. And our our bench has actually been one of our strong points recently. They blew the Mavericks bench out of the water last night. Yeah, not last night. Yeah, last night on uh, Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And I mean that second unit is really good. And I think that adding, you know, these guys is only going to help that adding some actual size because that was an area that we were kind of lacking in. As I mentioned earlier, Clark having to scoot down or we played solo at the center a lot uh, and he, he tried, but that's not something that, I mean, that's just not, he's out of position down there. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, have guys that don't suck on your team. And I think we've, we've seriously raised the floor of this team uh, to, to be in heavy contention to maintain that eight seed. We look at, Who's going to chase us? You know, we look at the, the Trailblazers who have Dame. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's going to record or perform at the All-Star Weekend is Dame Dalla, which is going to be pretty awesome. Did you see that? Be- yeah, yeah. That, that's kind of cool. I, I like when the, the they let the players kind of go into the, their own other personal interests, and it's cool to meld the two in a big weekend for everyone. Um, but yeah, Dame's better than anyone we have on our roster right now. We, we know that. So he can lift the Trailblazers kind of on his shoulders and take them to a level that maybe they shouldn't be at. But their floor is probably lower, you know, if he has a bad game or he gets hurt uh, because they, their bench. I, who's on the, the Trailblazers bench right now? I, I literally couldn't even tell you who Myers Leonard. Does he no. start or come uh, off the bench? He's not on their team. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we, he's on the – they, they got, the like, Gary Trent Jr. Um, I, I don't know. But they, their big thing is they're expecting Nurkic back shortly. But it could also cause them to slip up in some games because they're trying to insert someone who hasn't played all year and coming off a pretty major injury. But I, I agree. Portland scares me the most. You get my point, though. Like, you know, we've raised our floor to where you can't – our bench is still going to outscore most benches uh, I yeah. mean, consistently. And, and, you know, as long as our starters play like we know they generally do with the occasional crazy jaw or Jaron game, or hell, even JV crazy game, uh, you know, I think – we're just a consistently 500 team from here on out. Yeah, I guess the only scary thing for me would be if uh, Justice ends up being out for the season, Grayson's out for the season, and something happens to either Kyle or Josh or DeAnthony Melton. Because well, yeah. you were kind of skim on the uh, on the wing, but the same thing could have been said about the center position before sure. the death. So that's just part of it. Yeah, and I mean, if, if two guys get hurt on any team at the same position, then they're going to be hurting. You know, yeah. like so that that's not unique to us. That's just we just right. really hope it doesn't happen. Yeah, uh, and yeah. I, I, I've I've read everywhere I've read kind of uh, searching Twitter is that that the Heat actually quoted Justice at coming back uh, the beginning of January is they had they had four to eight weeks beginning at the beginning of October. Um, they they because in September he had this injury, then he played, but he had this injury already. Uh, and then, you know, he, he kind of like was in and out of the lineup. And so they actually like they said it was going to take six to eight weeks for him to heal. So he should be playing mm-hmm. now. I think they were just holding him out because probably they knew they were going to trade him. Uh, and also like they, they they had kind of their rotation going. They didn't want to introduce a guy that wasn't 100 percent. So I say all this to say a lot of what I've read is that they're, they're thinking he's going to play after All-Star break. Uh, yeah. But they might not rush him back if we're still winning. And, you know, Kyle right now, he's six and zero in the starting lineup. Uh, yeah. And then in, in Harrington's article, it was said that 
you know, we're a plus eight, some eight point six or something when Kyle starts in place of, of Jay. Uh, so that's yeah. exactly what's going to happen. And we're winning. So at this point, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. And I love giving Josh Jackson this this week before the all star break to kind of get his feet wet, uh, get his sea legs under. Uh, and, and so I'm OK with Justice not being rushed back when when he does come back. Would y'all want him to start or would y'all want to keep Kyle in the starting lineup? I think you brought him on this team to start, so maybe not immediately, maybe a few a few days, few games, a week or so, but I think ultimately you want him in that starting lineup sooner than later. Yeah, I'd probably start him immediately once he's ready to play because that, that to me says this conservative front office has really deemed him fully healthy. You know, so there's not some kind of like you know minute restriction necessarily, but then I would probably just, you know, like, let him play the first half of the kind of the Zion Williamson sort of treatment initially, uh, but start him just so he like is starting and he has run with the starters. And that's just kind of like, cause we know that's where he's going to eventually go. I don't really see an advantage to bringing him off the bench to play with guys. He's not going to play with in the long term If he fits in, what do you think? I don't know. Come back in slow. I mean, I get <laughs> the whole like Kyle Anderson. Like he's, if he, if we're winning games with them, he can, but Kyle can play wherever with whoever. That's kind of his. He's a yeah, Swiss Army player. But so can Justice. Theoretically, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, yeah, if we're winning, I would stick with Kyle. I think, uh, and I don't. We, if Justice turns out to be the sixth man, I don't think that's you know. I don't think we necessarily. He has to be a starter if we find someone better down the road. Um, yeah. So, I, I'd be okay with him at the sixth man as well. Around the league, kind of changing topics a little bit, what was the most interesting trade that you guys saw? Well, I mean, D'Lo for Wiggins. Yeah, I've seen a bunch of awesome memes about Steve Kerr getting pissed at Wiggins for shooting 20-foot jumpers in practice, and it's fantastic. I I really – but, though, I mean, honestly, I can see it working out. There's a little bit of Wiggins stock I still have, like in the deep recesses of my bank account that I don't talk about, where I keep like the weird porn magazines and like that. I won't tell anybody about it, but he fits in with certain teams. And if there's one, it's it's the it's the Warriors because with Stephen Clay healthy, he has room to operate with his drive, spin, moves to the basket. Uh, he, he's not relied upon to like knock down wild threes. Um, he's got a lot of space to operate and can play defense. And a lot of people are talking about once he gets on that team with that pedigree and all those guys play so fucking hard when they're playing that he will then soak that in as opposed to playing with the Eeyore, Ho-Hum, Carl Anthony Towns, who isn't necessarily – doesn't seem like the best leader. You know, even though he, he's good, he doesn't seem like he's the best. You, know, he don't want, you don't want that guy leading your team, unlike what we've seen Ja do. Like, he, he doesn't seem like a guy you want to rally behind. Uh, so – I think it's probably good and exciting. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm here for the league fucking switching around, you know? Yeah. I, I, I'm interested to see how it works out. I'm more interested to see how Minnesota does with D'Angelo and Cat. Uh, I'm glad they did that. Right. Cause that's just, that's more, another good team now. Like I, we like it when there's in yeah, theory, they're serious. They're good, but like it, they needed to do that to keep cat. They made a move. They needed to do this. Uh, and, and I, I'm excited that there's just more kind of parity throughout the league. Who would you rather have going forward if you were not a Grizzlies fan, John Jaron or D'Lo and Cat? That's impossible for me to – I really don't <laughs> think I – it really is, like, because I really don't know. I, I, 
That's a blasphemous question. I feel like you're just setting us up to. I, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I don't. I don't, know I don't have a definitive answer because I'd be interested to know around the league, like what the thought is on that. Um, that's what Twitter polls are for. Ooh. I think a lot. Of, I think a lot of people would probably say Ja and Jaron because we know they're already good together and they're only twenty. Um, so the the theory is that by their by time that they're D'Lo and Cat's age, four years from now they will be not only as good but better and. Contending for finals is what we hope. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I I wouldn't trade Ja and Jaren for for them for sure. But uh, I mean, the, the Timberwolves have had so many chances to be good. I know they, they, they had freaking Jimmy Butler. Like, I know, and he Wait. had them in the four seed before he got hurt, and then they finished at the eight seed. Yeah, like yeah, I, I'm I'm off of Carl Towns Island. Yeah, I, I don't I don't love him. I, I think I mean he he could. I mean I'd take him. You know, if at some point he was like, "Give me the fuck out of here," and he could be another guy with he could play yeah. with John Jaron, and that'd be great. But I mean, I started him at the five. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I ain't playing around. Uh, and then suppose Devin Booker is their other boy, and they always talked about playing together. But man, Devin Booker is not going to Minnesota. <laughs> no, if if he wants to go somewhere, he wants to go to a a place where he's guaranteed to win. He's already been. Wasting away in Phoenix for however long at this point. Why would you go and try that experiment? The exact same thing somewhere else. Because because he's boys with Cat and D'Lo. He put they had like a slam magazine cover where the three of them were on it, and they promised they would at some point play together. <laughs> Sounds like Zach's going to jump ship at the next opportunity. <laughs> of what? <laughs> of the barn, dude. Oh. <laughs> yeah, GBB. Don't be calling Zach, man. <laughs> So yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's I, I think it it might happen, and I think I mean I don't know where else where else uh, Booker goes. What the fuck was up with that uh, Kelly Oubre thing? No, yeah, the Kelly Oubre nothing. Yeah, good question. because that, that got me pretty excited. We you know that's a guy that is on a lot of people's radars that would fit in immediately, be an awesome addition I think to the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies have even thought that before, if you remember, not so long ago. <laughs> Yeah, okay. now, I mean now. Now at least I don't feel stupid because Dylan's turned into like I mean, yeah. ne- nearly as good as Ubre is this year on a winning yeah. team. Uh, it, so it arguably fits our style better. Yeah, that arguably the, the yeah, arguably the key to why we have been winning games. Yeah, I mean, what a deal for Dylan. Jeez, uh, we, we were thinking maybe fifteen plus. Yeah, that when was, we were discussing it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. E- easy. Everyone was like. You know, everyone with their chest pumped out. All of the the you know, the Twitter GMs were like, "I think people are going to be real shocked when they see the Dylan Brooks offer sheet." You know, like uh, I'm, I'm thinking North to 16, like blah blah blah. And I get it. I I was preparing my brain for that too, but I mean, this this that as we discussed, that deal, which is a pyramid structure, tells me two things: one, that he likes to play here in Memphis. Uh, he could have got more money, and he knows that, and. Two that he you know kind of believes in what they're building here and that wants them to be able to add other pieces and have more money to play around with uh, because he wants to win here. Uh, he yeah. he he already said the show him what Memphis is about. Which if there's anything that we're gonna get behind, it's comments like that. Oh, yeah. I mean, this guy's fucking Canadian, you know. Like he could <laughs> not be less Memphis, you know. But <laughs> you know, eh? But. So, which is great. It's great. I mean, and the Grizz kids are already just like endearing themselves to our hearts, uh, which is which is fantastic. But any other things around the league that we 
wanted to point out or that jumped out to us as kind of moving the needle for any of these teams. We did note that most teams didn't really do much. The Clippers added Marquise Morris, uh, which, you know, I, I didn't Mar- realize. Marcus. Marcus, sorry. I didn't realize he was the leading scorer for the Knicks. Um, Woof. Or the and he likes the he's the fifth best three point shooter in the league right now apparently uh, mm-hmm. I, I don't know whether that's in terms of percentage or what but I I heard that uh, so theoretically he helps them but the Lakers didn't do anything Celtics didn't do anything the Seventy Sixers cut a few guys or waived a few guys but I, I'm surprised they traded, they traded our boy uh, James Ennis my boy going to Orlando baby <laughs> I didn't where even ma- know that where magic happens <laughs> <laughs> nice. Didn't even know that, honestly. I literally thought they did nothing. Um, but yeah, what, what, what else? What else happened today that we're that we think kind of? I, I really don't think much changed. The, 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 the Timberwolves theoretically got better, but they're thirteen games behind us. You know, like yeah. I, I double checked that today because I was like, "Fuck!" Like, are they going to make a run now too? So, what, um, what all moves did the Timberwolves do? Because they had they were involved in that four team deal, and then today. So, do, do you have that pulled up, Zach, or no? I don't know. Okay. I thought the the Rockets moving off Clint Capella, I thought was pretty interesting. Definitely bold, and it's clearly they're committed. Yeah, to I mean, the it, small ball, and they said screw having rim protection. Yeah, the pick they kind of went away from the pick and roll that they had been doing like three years ago. They've been slowly moving away from it. But who's starting as center for them now? I mean, PJ Tucker, but do they have any bigs? Uh, I, I'm trying to think of who they Bruno. Play. Bruno, Bruno who's yeah. a wing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we've, we've already we've tried seen that what guy. he can do at the five. Yeah, like we've a fish out of water at the five. So I, I'm not a fan of them starting P.J. Tucker at the five. I mean, I'm all for innovative basketball, but you're not going to win that way. Yeah, the, I think the it, it's clear that we see Daryl Morey. I mean, it's kind of him and the coach. This is kind of their last hurrah. Like, I don't think they renewed um, – D'Antoni's contract, uh, yeah. and, and so there, and and we've seen Daryl do this routinely, where he has made these big swing moves to figure it out. Like once Chris Paul didn't work out for one year, even though they all they would have won the title if they won that game seven, yeah. uh, he was that one game away, and that was an injury thing. He was like, "Well, got to try something else," and went full the other way, other guard way, and got Westbrook, uh, and so he's just, I mean. Chron- chronically making moves. I mean, you, the, the Rockets are always making trades. They're it's always, addicted. yeah, no, it's, it's, I mean, and credit to him. He goes full in on it, I guess. Like the, there's nothing, he doesn't want it to be a situation where he keeps running it back and keeps losing. And then he gets fired and someone, and he thinks to himself for the rest of his days, like, why didn't I make attempts to, you know, do something? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I don't think it's unheard of for the Rockets to be like out of the picture in two years, like rebuilding. Trading, Russ no. comes off the books, or, or he's expiring, and they trade him, and Harden wants out because he's tired of the same old stuff. And and I could see that happening for sure. Wait a minute, what? What if? What? Could we get Harden in like two years? Would we want that? Uh, <laughs> I don't uh, think we have enough strip clubs. No, what? He, yeah, he would not be productive we, here. We can't go topless. Okay. <laughs> no, no topless strip clubs in Tennessee. I, don't, I think that's a deal breaker for James. Yeah, I'd rather have like a. I'd rather have a younger guy for sure. But other than my point is, other than like, other than Giannis, uh, who's everyone's going to be throwing the kitchen sink at, uh, yeah. and he'll get to decide. You know, like who in, in part decide where he wants to go play. Uh, I, I really don't know where. You know, like I, I don't know where we're getting that guy, like or who that would be. Who, who's between the ages of Giannis and John Jaron? 
what Bradley Beal is something that, that you've brought up, Zach. Like we make a trade for him in twenty twenty one. Is that kind of what you're thinking? I think he could be one of those guys in the future. He looks he's what, up. And he'll be twenty eight then. Yeah, he he looks yeah. up and he's like, oh, walls back, but we're still in the exact same situation that we've been in the past. How you know, three, four, whatever years it is. I should not have signed that deal to stay here long term. That was a bad choice. Someone get me the heck out of here. That that's kind of what I'm thinking. Yeah, I, that, that, he, I'm thinking of him as like one of those guys we'll at least be talking about, be in the conversation. Because I, I mean, I don't see that getting that much better in Washington. Yeah, and the thing, the great thing about the NBA is the tide can turn so quickly. Like we seen Blake Griffin sign a max deal, and they fake retire his jersey in Staples Center, and then they uh, <laughs> trade him six months later. You know, uh, we seen Russell Westbrook be the face of OKC and team up with Paul George, and then the next thing you know, neither one of them are in OKC. So you never know who can be available two years down the road. It could be literally anyone. Like, yeah. So it could be Brandon Ingram. Maybe he signs a max deal and things don't work out. Him and Zion end up hating each other. Anyone's available, you know, because of, yeah. tra- of the way trades work and the player empowerment area. Like, anyone can leave any team anytime because they can force their way out. And so when we create a culture that people want to come to, we can become that, that nest for them to land. And we've got, we're about to have assets. Like, bro, we got assets. We got eight first round picks in the next six years. Yeah. So the, we are going to trade for somebody. And we just have to make sure it's the right person on a long enough deal. Or hell, I'm even down to do the Kawhi thing. Uh, shouts to this, our dude, Ben Scope, I believe was his name, who said, uh, Congratulations for, you're welcome for Justice Wendell, Winslow. I assume a Heat fan. Uh, thank you, man. We appreciate it. And, and that honestly is one of the best indicators of how good a player can be is when the fan base, like we saw with Jonas, uh, literally comes and says, like, yo, we love that guy. Like, we're going to continue to love him even when he goes to the next team and shouts to you guys for, for getting him. Yep. Yep, for sure. Take care, uh, Jay and Solo, for us because, I mean, this new era of Grizz Next Gen and whatever it evolves into, we really are in the forever to Jay and Solo for being great leaders for this young team for the the 51 games that they played. They could not have been better veterans for John, Jaron, Brandon to learn from. And and a lot of times they produced on the court. Solo did. Jay had his couple big games and, you know, he never, he didn't stop us from winning too many games. Obviously when we were losing early in the season, it wasn't Jay Crowder's fault. Mm. Um, That's when Jaron sucked and John wasn't taking over games all the time. Um, so yeah, shout out to Jay and Solo, man. Appreciate y'all. And we'll, I think I think it's safe to say all Memphians will be rooting for them uh, from here on for the rest of their careers. Sure, if Iggy wasn't on the Heat, I'd be rooting hard for you guys. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I think and I think I still will. Honestly, like I love the Heat. I, I, think lo- I love I watching love them. them. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're one of my favorite teams. Yeah. All right, so we got covered a lot of trade deadline now to one of our favorite segments, Twitter Corner. So I'll start with a little nugget that I found. Uh, and Kurt, or shouts to Anthony Sane for tweeting this, but Sportsline, which is a, a sports uh, betting data site, tweeted out that before all the trades, the Grizzlies, they had a 28.5% projection to make the playoffs. After all the trades, they now sit at 66% according to this one services data. That's not reflected everywhere. Uh, like, 538 still has them pretty low. I don't know if that is updated based on 
based on the trades or if they're waiting till tomorrow. A lot of databases haven't refreshed all their information. But I thought that was a crazy jump from 28% to 66%. Basically saying you probably won't get it to two-thirds of a chance you'll hold on to the eighth seed or scoot up to the seventh. I thought that that was that's pretty indicative that at least computers think that what we did today was pretty smart. I'm with it. Yeah, I mean, I, it, I agree. We, we <laughs> talked about it. You know, we sent out two guys that had been great vets and great and guys we liked, but who realistically weren't playing super great. Uh, and we sent out a third guy who hadn't played it at all. So anything's going to be a net positive over him. Uh, and we brought in, you know, three guys, one of which we waived, who, of course, is kind of the net nothing in Dion. But the other two guys are both better, if healthy, uh, the obvious uh, understanding caveat, are both better than both Jay and Sala. So, I mean, we're, we're looking at just, we objectively got better. I, I mean, just by personnel, we got younger and a better fit and better players than we had before while giving up nothing. Like, so, it, I mean, we gave up guys, but you know what I'm saying? So, I mean, it, it stands to reason that mathematically we should be looking better. I, I mean, I, I, I can't fathom we'd get any worse in terms of any of these rankings. Yeah. Another quick note, I saw Jonathan Gavoni of Draft Express, who does a lot of mock drafts and scouting. This went a little bit more local. He says that the biggest loser of the trade deadline might end up being none other than James Wiseman, name we haven't talked about too much recently, because two of the NBA's three worst teams, Cleveland and Atlanta, both traded for starting centers this week and Clint Capella and Andre Drummond. So those are going to be two teams that really suck, have high draft picks that probably are not going to select Wiseman now. Uh, And one of the other worst teams, he goes on to say, is going to be Golden State. And, you know, there's no guarantee that they're going to be looking for a center, uh, just, you know, how they've constructed their roster recently. So this could really hurt Wiseman's opportunities to be a top, top three to five draft pick, just depending on where all the the lottery balls fall and everything. But I thought that was pretty interesting. I thought that was interesting, but I'd compl- I mean, w- unless Gavoni knows something we don't, which obviously it's his job to, but the, I mean, uh, teams draft based on best available, right? Like the, the theory is that they don't ever draft on positional fit. Uh, so, you know, if you think Wiseman's better than Drummond or better than Capella and a better fit with your young stars, considering he will also be young, then you draft him. You don't say, well, he's a center. I can't draft him. I got to draft the best available wing or whatever uh so i don't know if that's necessarily going to happen and then also golden state is probably going to trade that pick uh they're probably going to trade that pick for someone that to get back someone to that's kind of more in line with the ages that they've got of wiggins and steph and and clay uh so i I don't anticipate them necessarily making that decision so but that was interesting and i mean of course a name that is relevant to us but i seriously doubt it, it is going to affect where he ultimately goes but maybe yeah, I, I think he was going to slip either way. So yeah, I think. I mean, I, I think <laughs> I so want, too. I don't want to say it too loudly, but uh, the Drummond trade. What in the hell? <laughs> like, why, yeah, why? Don't make no sense. Why, yeah, why? <laughs> that motherfucker is such empty stats, dude. Zach, I can't believe you ever loved this guy. I watched him. Uh, I watched the Pistons, dude. You know and- who else loved Omari Sankofa? Loves him too. So yeah, well, he he's thinks, from Detroit. <laughs> yeah. He thinks he, he thinks Huey sucks too. 
Okay, uh, true. He, he, come on, Amari, man. You know. Yeah, he's going to come on, too. I, I, I need to email him, but he's, we're going to have a Huey's debate at some point. Uh, he's been very gracious with, with accepting that. Uh, Drummond, yeah, empty stats guy, literally does so much that doesn't contribute at all to winning. I've never seen anything like it. Like, but, I mean, damn, when you look <laughs> up, you're like, holy shit, he's got like 20 rebounds. Uh, and then Zach's at home, like, just looking at the stats, like, like that Wolverine meme with a picture of Drummond. Like, that was literally three years just, ago. You literally love him so much. And I don't never <laughs> heard you even... talk more about a player as, as nicely as you do Drummond. If I Who stand a player stand out. So are you, are you going to buy a Cavs jersey now, a Drummond Cavs jersey? I know, Mason's your, following Josh, question, Mason? I know Mason's following Josh Jackson wherever he goes next. <laughs> hey, let's go. Which right now is in Memphis, man. We've yeah. made it through the trade deadline, baby. <laughs> now we got this opportunity to play and prove ourselves. Let's go. We, I love I, you. I, you. It's you and Josh against the world. <laughs> just, but what, we've seen him play a couple of games now. And I mean, I'll be the first to admit, he hasn't been like blowing me away. He's, he's struggled to get the threes to go down. He freaking airballed like a, five foot floater last night. Um, so he, he hasn't performed like he was in the G league, but he's also done some good things. He's shown a, an ability to rebound, get out and run, be athletic. And he's hit a couple threes. Not, not any that we, not a lot that we like. His shot looks flat as hell. Like, dude, what the hell? Fix that. But uh, what, what's his shots gen- really weird. But yeah. Your, how you, you doing? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I because we, we battled on this, <laughs> as you said, and as I have always agreed, he looks the part. Like he, I, every time I watch him in Phoenix, I was like, "This guy's running around like he looks smooth when he has the ball. Like he's always on the break. He's just like never runs out of breath. He's like got cardio for fucking days, man. That guy's running like he never. That's what they do, <laughs> probably. Yeah, right, yeah, no, no doubt. And so, I mean, but even before he was in the G League, he's just an athlete and is long, and he he just looks like he should be a perfect starting three you know like mm-hmm. i mean and and he like shoots it when he's open takes good shots really for the most part uh and it, yeah i mean he just the the tangible stats haven't been there yet uh but it seems like he he likes the team the team likes him they look for him on the break mm-hmm. and they appreciate how he's always out there running and, and playing good defense i think but i would love to see one thing i just don't know is the advanced metrics on him for since he's been back like what because it looks like he's doing more it looks like he's a little kyle-ish you know yeah. like doing a little more than maybe meets the eye just i pure eye test which is what you know we kind of agree on with josh yeah. uh but i don't know i just haven't looked at that no, but I what, I, what i am glad is that he's getting a shot because despite how we both felt about him i have always thought he should get a shot and so we can see what we have there's no reason why that shouldn't be the case so i, I am glad he's finally getting some pt for sure True that. And uh, like Kendrick Perkins, my brother, if I said anything to offend you, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. He's like, Katie, you a bitch. Oh, my bad, bro. My bad, bro. He did. <laughs> Zach, general thoughts on Josh before we get back to Twitter Corner. Um, I ain't got any tweets. I don't, I don't, I don't know. have anything to share. Yeah, uh, I agree. I hope that I hope that he continues to progress. I'm very intrigued whenever he's on the court. That's who I'm watching. I'm 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 watching intently, looking for reasons to get excited. Pretty much, Zach. Yeah. I'm looking up a drum and Cavs jerseys. It doesn't look like they're in the team store yet. I have to buy those from China. Yeah. You yeah, get them custom drum. from there. Get that from China. Do you also remember when you loved the uh, Raptors when they were they were just bums and then didn't <laughs> like them the year they won the title? I mean, I followed them too. I, that the year they won the title is the year I put them on my ESPN alerts. 
Mason knows that. Yeah, that's true. Oh, I had to okay. get my own account because I didn't want to look at that shit. <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. Okay. <laughs> in a week in which Twitter was dominated by Woj bombs and some Shams news here and there, even, some, Mark, even some Mark Stein. This is like a 90s movie trailer. There's another account. In a world where the Twitter was dominated. <laughs> <laughs> There's another account that just stole the whole week from me, and I haven't been able to stop laughing at it. And <laughs> this was two days ago. It was uh, late in the evening, about midnight my time. I uh, had been, you know, doing my thing, drinking some drinks, doing, smoking some cigars. And I had, sure. just, listened, I had just listened to The Mismatch uh, with Chris Vernon and Kevin O'Connor. And in this show, Vernon went on this huge Andre Iguodala rant, like three or four minutes. And so KOC posted the show on Twitter, and I'm scrolling through the comments because the old producer, Isaac Lee, or he might be the current producer, I don't know. But he said he's put a meme of Kermit like yawning and stuff and said me the whole time Verno's talking about the Iggy situation. And then KOC responded back with the meme of the Man, like taking a deep breath with the city on fire behind him. What movie is that from? I don't know. All right. Well, anyways, and he said he was just laying there with his eyes closed, just waiting for Chris to finish his rant. But the next tweet is what got me. And I see this <laughs> name pop up, and it's Kevin O. Catch These Riffs. <laughs> and the, the text of the tweet is KOC when Verno finishes his rant. <laughs> and it is this ridiculous video of Kevin O'Connor. Not ridiculous, but the clip is ridiculous. And he's just making this amazing musical face, which Sam informed me is, is part of being a great musician. You got to make a little ugly face to, to truly get the greatness out. <laughs> and KOC is rocking out and making this god-awful face. <laughs> the tweet got me. I laughed for like a legit two minutes before I was even able to send it to y'all. <laughs> and then I go to the account and like start searching through his other tweets. And he's just replying to literally everything he can on Twitter. <laughs> same little clip. And uh, I, I replied to him and I was like, man, you get me every time. Sure enough, right on Brandon, he responds back to me with the same clip and says, when I get you every time. <laughs> and when that was I, good. I lost it at work, I, I lost it, man. So <laughs> shout out to at Kevin No Clapton. <laughs> I just looked it up. Oh, yeah, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> Kevin, don't make me laugh, man. Cause yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, I made me laugh. You took me through the tail of there. It was good. I, I don't um, think I don't think there's ever been anything that I found this funny, like that because I, I send things that I think are funny to y'all all the time, and this this really gets me, man. Sometimes something just does, man. Like, and it's always some weird Twitter thing, but like you, you can't explain it. It just tickles your funny bone in a way that like is really uncommon. So uh, Ke- Kevin O'Clapton, we're trying to up your cred. I see. Yeah, you. we need to bring that guy on for you sure. Have- 373 yeah. followers as of this recording and let's let's see where we can get you i think the the sky's the limit with you man or woman <laughs> yeah, absolutely ridiculous man <laughs> he responds to everything like woge uh woge's body is tired woge's brain goofy meme kevin o'connor <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so the, the thing about that is, is like this happened. He recorded that like six months ago because yeah. uh, uh, Kevin O'Connor recorded himself playing the, the guitar solo to a Pink Floyd song. It's at the bridge of one of the Pink Floyd songs. I don't know which one it is off the top of my head, but it, 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 in the whole video, you see the song chorus come into play and then he kicks in on the guitar solo and plays the whole thing like straight from the album. And it's like a real soulful solo. Hence why, he, you know, guitar playing is all in the face. Yeah. Kind of like basketball. I mean, it, it's, you know, Jordan's tongue sticking out when he dunked. It's kind of like that. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's sort of trademark guitar playing. So, but, but he picked, this guy picked the best five seconds from the solo where he just like his body, you know, like and soul become one with the guitar and like it, and it looks both like a musical orgasm. And then also like he's, he's reached great truths while it, it happens. So the video itself is hilarious. And, and the way that it's used, like uh, the, the meme format's fantastic. It's very funny. <laughs> It, it really, fun. I, I love it because it, it seems some, like something more I would find funny. Yeah. But like, but but it's just really captured you, so that's that's why I enjoy it. Um, he, he did a he did approve of the Grizzlies moves. He said all of the, all, everyone in Memphis right now and hit us with. It. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! That's yeah. good. Yeah, I'm digging that. But, Anything else on <laughs> on the Grizzlies moves or our team in general? We Can't, got uh, we got seventy sixers tomorrow night uh, with a you know they're they're just they're just in disarray, man. Like we just got out. They're they're a weird. I picked in, I picked Lakers seventy sixers at the beginning of the season to meet in the finals because the Sixers should theoretically be better, but man, they're like the Grizzlies, like the Grizzlies with superstars, but they, they you know they can't score. They had to play defense. They got no shooting. They seemingly never address it. Like every trade deadline, like everyone's <laughs> like, "Dude, you got to get shooters," and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah," and then they're like, "Oh, never mind." And and I guess, man, we just got James. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when you when you just got James Ennis. <laughs> oh man, but yeah, the, the Sixers. They, I expected them to be worse with the loss of JJ Redick and Jimmy Butler, and they have not disappointed. And they're, they're like taking shots at each other. Al Horford's like. Yeah, man, we got some problems, but we're going to keep that shit internal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was an amazing flex from him. Like, <laughs> oh, <that's cool. laughs> yeah. oh, yeah. man. The quote from Embiid is going around him saying, like, well, I, everyone's telling me to post up more, but I got to be out at the three-point line because fucking Ben can't shoot for shit. <laughs> we ain't got no spacing. I can shoot better than my guard, so I have to stand out there while we watch him do the work of a power forward. So, yeah, Philly, man. And Boston too. They they won't pull the trigger on a trade, man. And and last year, I, I think it was the Brooklyn pick they had that just depreciated in value as the season went on because Brooklyn made the playoffs. This year, our pick, which they no doubt thought once had an opportunity to be like a top two or three pick, no doubt, uh, and like reasonably so. And <laughs> we have outperformed expectations, uh, and now their pick is in jeopardy of being. A late first rounder, or you know, at least not in the lottery. Late yeah. team. So I think we can in a take, bad draft. In a bad draft. Which may maybe it's better to have a low pick in a bad draft, you know, but I think it is. That's neither here nor there. Um, but I think this can be a message to young King Kleiman that don't hold on to those draft picks, brother. When you got the chance, you trade them sons of bitches before they depreciate in value. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, one, now that we've got him, which is the hard part, fucking trade him. Like, let's go get a guy. You know, yeah. like, let's go, go get a known commodity instead of like, 
rolling your dice for these kids, which you've seen are impossible to predict, you know, how good they're going to be. Like, it just really is. Like, it's very hard. I, I, it's a really tough game to play. So I, I'm all for that. Like, I'm all for making, like, big ball-busting trades, like, because we've seen it pays off, you know, and you got two guys that are – and not only that, but it signals to these guys that we're trying to, you know, make sure you guys win. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in a situation where if we brought in, like, a Giannis or, like, a, you know, a Bradley Beal, and they only stayed for one or two years, but we made a big run. Like, and then they check out. It's like, okay, we lost a couple first-rounders and whatever, but, you know, maybe John Jaren stick around for another extension, and then we run it back for another guy. Like, yeah, that, that shit matters. Uh, so I, it seems to be that they're setting themselves up. Weird thought, though. How do we feel about Ben Simmons' fit on this team, the Grizzlies? Because at some point, the, the Sixers are going to break up Embiid and Ben. Uh, and Ben, they, them singularly, I think, are they're all NBA talents, like singularly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but so it, I, I was trying, I don't think I want Embiid really with John Jaron. Although, you know, like. I, mean, I would he, take both of them. <laughs> I would take either one. But, but I was for some reason thinking about like Ben playing kind of the weird power forward yeah. ball handler. He can't yeah. shoot, but he, but Jaron can shoot like lights out. Yeah, so I, I don't mind that. I, yeah. I like the idea of that. Uh, so that, that's someone else that's kind of between the ages of that's that age range we're looking at. Yeah, and, and they were supposed to be the next big thing, and now they could be breaking up this summer. You know, yeah, like, yeah. it changes quickly, and that's why it's important to surround your guys with talent and a, a roster that makes sense. Yeah, so look, you know, look, be on the lookout for for guys like that, and make a trade for Ben Simmons. You know, at some point next season, even like that, that be, might be something I'm looking at uh, if the Wizards aren't going to budge off Beal. But we could very realistically be entering the 2021 season with a team that can make the finals. Uh, and, and I, I don't say that like we were talking about that being best case scenario at the beginning of this rebuild, but our rebuild has lasted 16 months, dude. Like it, it is yeah. insane how fast we did it. Like we should be thinking our fucking lucky stars every night we go to bed. And I do like, uh, I, 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 I like your ping pong balls. Yeah, whatever, whatever you're prayed or whatever. But like you're dude, it is unbelievable what they've been able to do and how much positivity there is to take from what we got going on right now. Uh, it's just amazing stuff. It nearly brings a tear to my eye, to be honest with you. Yeah, and I mean, under contract for next season, we got Ja and Tyus. We got Dylan, Grayson, Marco, Justice, Jaron, Brandon Clark. Uh, and then we got JV and Gorgie Jang down low. Like, we already got 12. You have your team set yeah. already. You don't, you don't have to go looking for anything for next season. You can kind of – sit back and wait for a great opportunity to come to you. You don't have to pursue something to put together a competitive team. You already have that. Yeah. And it will get naturally better because everyone will be a year older. Like uh, that no one will get worse except for arguably Gorgie. Cause he gets, he's 30 now or something. Right. Yeah. Like, uh, so, you know, everyone's getting better into their prime and, and so getting another year of the NBA under their belt. And I, I think John Jaron are going to like get better in dog years. I mean, we, we we seen Jared even take a huge leap this year, uh, the leap that about as good a leap as you could have expected. So, yeah, I like that. I like yeah. that a lot. Uh, and yeah, and that's that's not including DeAnthony Melton, who will be we will be able to retain um, operating under the line, bring in our own free agent, and then uh, Josh Jackson. We could realistically bring him back too. Can if, we re-sign him if we re-sign Melton? With yeah, uh, in in something I was reading, they said we could re-sign both. Uh, we will have enough room to operate with our exceptions and things like that, that we will be able to resign both. I mean, Josh isn't going to command it. You know, he's going to be cheap. 
cheaper yeah. than this year. So yeah, I would definitely do that. I'd sign him for yeah for like four twenty or something with a team option or yeah. I mean, I don't know. It, we'll see fine. how he does this year. But if he fits in, I think it like uh, in theory he fits in, and if that works out, then. He, he's someone you'd want to bring back because he fills the wing position, which is a position to need. And he could just soak up minutes. I mean, you know, like even if he ends up being buried in the rotation, it's like he can give you quality minutes yeah, uh, I love, for the cheap, cheap. I love it when he gets an outlet pass and attacks on the break. Like he, he tries to go through three people, but he attacks the rim. Like he gets right yeah. in front of the rim. It's, it's like Kyle, uh, except Kyle hits you with the Euro step right before. And then slows down. He does like the Harden where he like, Everyone's like crashing into the the stanchion when he's like just laying it in, like going backwards. <laughs> yeah, it's bizarre. Uh, but yeah, it, it's dude, it's it's really exciting stuff. Um, and I, I'm always telling people like, dude, our two best players are 20 years old. Like that's insane. Yeah, they don't carry and, themselves like 20 year olds. Is the thing 20 years old? On, mm-hmm. You know, on a 26 and 25 team, like that is insane. I don't know if that's ever happened. Like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I. I but we can't go reverse. You know, we have to, like, unlike the 76ers, you know, they kind of, like, burst on the scene and then have gotten worse every season, uh, even though they've really kind of made crazy moves, but just idiotic moves. Like, we don't need, like, getting Tobias Harris and, you know, leave, letting Jimmy Butler leave. And it's, just, it's bizarre, really. But Yeah, it, and it's funny how we remember history because – they were a Kawhi Leonard shot away from going to the finals, <laughs> you know, uh, the Eastern Conference finals or whatever it was. Yeah. And then that Rockets yeah. team, like they could be blown up, but they were literally one game away and a Chris Paul hamstring from winning a world championship. So it's the breaks of the game. Yeah, man, it is. You just got to put yourself in the position to where you don't look back on it and think like, what if, you know, you just, just win the game. Yeah. And then maybe if you're a team like Philly right now, you don't give up on your core because which I'm, I'm trying to take things that are happening now and apply them to Memphis in the future. <laughs> like As you maybe, should. I mean, maybe Philly doesn't give up on the core because they saw the Rockets gave up on what they had and then they end up blowing their team up a year later. You know, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, everyone knows that, that those two guys, the Embiid and the Simmons thing just won't work, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, but because they're so both so good individually, it, it looks like it works, you know. But it's but it, it really doesn't. Like they're actually just taking each other down a peg uh, when they when they should, probably shouldn't. So that's you know we'll see what what happens. But I uh, I'm gonna be like keeping my eye on all these different teams and yeah. and I, I mean like what we know now and what is kind of cool is that the avenue one avenue is closed, which is kind of the the beginning of of uh, Harrington's piece, which is that we know we're not going to get the third guy in the draft. Like yeah. we, that, that road is now, that avenue is now closed. Like we are now good and we are only going to get better. Um, and so this year had to be that year where we're going to add another high draft pick and we just were too good. And so we're going to convey the pick. And then from now on, our picks won't, will theoretically, will be a playoff team. Cause if we make the playoffs this year, I mean, I'm not crazy to think like we, we are now a perennial playoff team, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, in theory, we get better every year, barring the occasional injury. God forbid something happens like to, you know, Oklahoma city kind of the situation. Um, but, you know, I think we're, we're, we're not having good picks going forward. We have to get this guy via trade, like a justice Winslow sort of deal, or like a big bombastic, you know, expiring superstar that is going to leave anyway. We hope that we can convince us stay. So we said it a million ways, but we, we haven't really had a chance to, to chop shit, top wood on all this. 
Yeah. And one interesting thing is like in two years, the West is going to be in theory loaded again. Like if it's the end of the Warriors, uh, potentially like the last leg of the Rockets, but the Kings might get good at some point. Like they have talent. Yeah, they're weird. You would would think that they'd be where we are now. You would think that they'd be in our shoes, honestly. Right. That's the scary, the scary thing is what happened to the Kings, right? Like is that they regressed. Yeah, but they, I, I think Taylor Jenkins has appeared to be better than Luke Walton already. Like, yeah. So you're not in on Jenkins. Are you, are you in on Jenkins yet, or are you still like – Yeah, caught? no, yeah, I'm yeah. definitely uh, – yeah. you, you, you said appeared, so I wasn't sure if that was meant that you were like – No, I just meant it's hard to judge a first-year guy compared to a, a four-year guy or whatever. Yeah. Like, it's hard. Maybe it's just the players. Maybe it's not Jenkins, you know. <laughs> uh, but he's, he's – by all accounts, Jenkins has been great. Coach of the month, man. January. Yeah. Jod, three-time rookie of the month. But, yeah, like the West is going to be – the Pelicans should be really good for a long time. If not, then they colossally fucked that up. Yeah. Um, Dallas has Luka and KP. Thunder. Thunder have talent and asset – more assets than us. Like one of the few teams probably that has more – So do the Pelicans. The Pels do. Oh yeah, yeah, from the Lakers. Yeah, you know, yeah. so they're they're going to be the thing about the, the Thunder and the Pellies are going to be making the same offers to the same guys that we are probably, and we have to be able to, you know, have a team that people want to come to more than those teams, which yeah. means we have to beat Brandon Ingram and Zion, and then Shea Gildress and whoever they ultimately get to yeah. pair with him. Uh, so and, and then fucking Luca and KP, which KP yeah. look like. Every bit the thing that he that Luca needs when he played us the other night. I mean, he was fucking sick <laughs> until Josh broke his nose. Man, see what I'm talking about? It's the little things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The intangibles, <laughs> yeah, the, the nose breakings. Doesn't show up in the stat sheet. <laughs> <laughs> Those advanced stats, man. <laughs> Broken noses, one. Uh, but of those cities, I, Dallas probably has the edge to a superstar level because we went to Dallas, man. We had a blast. That's a fun city. Yeah, Dallas is cool, and then and then Luca at this point, you know, looks like an MVP. So it's, it, you know, I, I, neither Jaren or ja, or uh, or Ja are there. But who's to say they couldn't? At this point, as we sit here now, I still don't know who I think is going to end up being better. Uh, I know we always talk about Jaren having higher ceiling, um, and Ja kind of being just the more immediate impact leader, more flashy guy. But I, shit, I don't know, man. Like I. Are we looking? I think we're looking at them both being all star, like perennial Western Conference all stars, right? Is that? Yeah, that's kind of the expectation now. I would think. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm cool with co captains at, at this point. Ja, ja has shown to be. To He's have, got the leader. He's got the leader dog in him for sure. Yeah. He's the alpha, but Jaron, you know, he when he gets going, he his skill set is. Ja, you can throw a bigger guy on him and, and slow him down a little bit. That's the thing. Every team that's ever had since the Isaiah Thomas Pistons, every team that's best player has been a point guard. You just can't do it with that. You yeah. got to have a wing or a wing, really. Um, or in, in this league, everyone's kind of a wing, you know, from the three to the five. Uh, but you, know, you you can't. That's why you Kimba. People are worried about Kimba not ever being able to get it done because, like you said, you could throw like a you know Justice Winslow, you know, that, that shuts him down the whole, makes everything tie it all in, Sam. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, he, it's it's tough to win that way. We need Jaron to be what way he can be in order to like take this team to the net, the heights. Yeah, I mean, Steph and Clay did it, but they are literally the best shooting backcourt ever. 
So yeah, two of the best three shooters of all time. Yeah, I have yeah. Reggie in there. I guess. I, I guess. Like, but yeah. I mean, I, but I think it might be Clay Steph and Reggie. Like, so. Ray, uh, Allen, yeah, I mean those two guys. Yeah, Ray, Ray Allen, maybe probably I, hit some bigger shots than Reggie, but no one in our generation will, will argue against those two guys for a long, long time. I don't think. Yeah, it's cool. We got to see it too, but shit. All right, Zach's probably ready to go to bed because he hasn't said anything. <laughs> like, like thirty minutes. Yeah. You right? You right? You right? <laughs> well, I was watching a little bit of this Rockets. Uh, Lakers game. Anthony Davis went out with the. It looks like it hurt his hand, so that ain't good. Hey, Lakers and Clippers could both be do- bottom dwellers again in two years. Yeah, for, with no assets either. You know, like yeah. so. So one, a couple guys I saw <laughs> that are asked out. Like. Uh, nothing. So I, I saw the the uh, the Clippers guys become unrestricted free agents in summer of twenty twenty one with Paul George and Kawhi. So. And there, yeah. there's there, Anthony Davis is a is a free agent, or has yeah. a player option. Uh, so there's a lot of guys out there that summer. In addition to the kind of the guys with two years left on their deal, that it'll be an exciting time to see what we do. But and teams got, want to trade those guys because they don't want to lose them for nothing. Exactly. So we it's not a question of getting them. It's a question we have to be able to put together the best package. And they can't blow it up. They have to want to go because now he's seen like, yeah, they could say I'm not going to play there if you trade me to Memphis. But I'll play in New Orleans or play in Dallas. So we need to be desirable as well. Yeah, it. it I don't think we've seen a case yet. Uh, you know, you think of Anthony Davis last year where a superstar has said he's only going to re-sign in these two markets and then them be traded elsewhere. Can y'all think of a case like that? Because I, I, it'd be interesting to see what happens if a superstar is traded to Memphis with John Jaron and we win a championship. Kawhi? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, <laughs> was he trying to? He didn't say it. Yeah, though. he just didn't resign. I don't think he was like trying to block a trade anywhere. He didn't say that. People were worried about him doing that, though. Like he 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 said well, he wasn't is, gonna. He, initially, totally the question fair. was whether he was gonna report to training camp. Remember that? Like uh, they were like when it, he was traded, and people were like, "Is he gonna show up to Raptors training camp?" Like, and when the day he showed up and gave the ha ha, you know the the meme thing, like yeah, it was like everyone that. was legitimately glad that he showed up so uh, that was that was a big deal he didn't come out and say if you trade me to the raptors i won't go play there that's what you're saying you're saying like yeah. if we get a true equal situation where he says i will play for these teams if you trade me to them but if you trade me to here and here here even though those play those teams can give you the best assets i'm not going to suit up like i'm not going to show up yeah and maybe stefan marbury did that back in the day i, fuck, say. I don't know i'd be guessing um but Kawhi would have been the one to do it because he set out in San Antonio. <laughs> like, no one does that. He, he already did, did the unthinkable. So right. I think he would have been the one to do it. And it wouldn't be surprising to see in the next like negotiations between the NBPA and the NBA to like find some way to eliminate that or pe- penalize the player, like eliminate their contract and make them not be eligible for free agency for like two seasons or something like that if you don't show up. If it's as simple as no, I'm just not going to play there because I'm above playing in a shitty market. Yeah, I mean, because once you start letting that happen more and more, I think it's a very slippery slope. As I said, like that's just that's where it gets worrisome. You know, that's where like what are we even doing here? Like why don't why does anyone sign anything? And like why are we'll why just are, have a four team league? Yeah, like what, what why why are we even having Memphis and New Orleans and you know like just, let's just have the two LA teams and the Celtics and the Knicks. Great. 
Yeah. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, the players are wanting to play in the big markets and look out for themselves. And the NBA is a business and they are trying to, you know, they might not fight against that as hard because they're like, yeah, we slick want these the superstars in the big markets. <laughs> like, yeah. No, for sure. We're not going to fight for this new rule or whatever. I will never question the draft again that Ja ended up with us instead of New York. And, and something that, that something that, that they've New talked York. about. Go ahead. Sorry. So, something that like all the national pundits, like the Russillos and the Simmons have talked about is it, it, with, they've said no disrespect to Memphis fans, but if Ja was doing what he's doing in Memphis and in, in the, the garden, the fucking world would be lighting itself on fire right now. Like it, the, the dunks he has, the moves oh, he yeah. has, if he was doing it in MSG, like it would be unbelievable how, high new york would be like i'm talking about like they'd already have like think about lynn sanity dude like that that was a middling guard who had a couple good games like jaw's doing this at 20 future you know all-star could have been one this year and and so the point being that they have eight to nine times the fandom just look at their social media accounts literally eight to nine times the following that we do thus eight to nine times the revenue for the nba i mean just automatically there so that's that's one of those things where like it, it does suck and we're actively working uphill for sure. I've convinced myself that the NBA wants the Knicks to be bad because they continue to make money hand over fist. They're the most profitable team in the NBA and they haven't been relevant in 20 years, but they're, yeah, so- they're relevant every day. So like, they're like, okay, New York's going to make, make this money no matter what. So let's just not, let's do our best to keep players away from yeah. them. We're going to let double and run them into the ground. Like That's my know. weird pitch there. Like, it's like, well, hey, Lakers and we saw Lakers make shit ton of money, too. And they were in those down years. Uh, you know, like, let's let and Golden State just got all that Bay Area money. Like, yeah. they're, they, they just got they got a waiting list for season ticket holders. Celtics, same thing. Waiting list season ticket holders. Like, really, we should keep our stars in the markets that need stars to make money. And then, yeah. I mean, why, why are you going to? that's out misallocating resources if you're putting them in places that don't need them so uh, you know like so that's that's maybe a too logical take and one that's heavily colored through small market classes but yeah i i, uh, I think it's something to, to kind of follow and well 2021 is the next uh, cba negotiation so we will see Dang, you know, coming up real soon yeah that could, quite, that could change quite. everything that we're talking about right now yeah. yeah, and I mean, there's something we've the rest and all these other sort of N- NBA issues that people have talked about for the past five or six years since uh, as of late. So we'll see what they do. But uh, exciting, exciting times in the NBA coming ahead, particularly for Grizz fans. No doubt. Uh, thanks for listening to the Backdoor Cut Show on wherever you're listening right now, Apple Podcasts. If you don't mind giving us a five star review, leave us some feedback. Follow us on Twitter at Backdoor Cut Show. Uh, hit us up at the-barnburner.com where you can find this, uh, other good podcasts, articles, a lot of content over there. And thanks for listening. Until next time, go Grizzlies.